I have the pleasure to present to this great audience young John Lewis, National Chairman, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, Brother John Lewis. This is Thought in Mind, Volume 1, Episode 3, A Tribute to John Lewis. Thank you for listening. forget that we are involved in a serious social revolution. But by and large, American politics is dominated by politicians who build their career on immoral compromising and align themselves with open forms of political, economic, and social exploitation. Hello, and welcome to Thought in Mind. For those of you returning, it's a pleasure to have you back. And for those of you just now joining us, it's good to have you aboard. Now, I know that this is only the third episode of this podcast, but I'm doing something a little bit different this time out. A little over a week ago, Representative John Lewis from the state of Georgia passed away, and the specifics of his legacy are the subject of the two pieces I'll be reading on this episode. Suffice it to say that he was a heroic civil rights activist in the 1960s and a moral hero of Congress for decades. To underscore Mr. Lewis's importance to our country's history of race relations and how relevant his wisdom still is, the clips you'll hear interspersed throughout this episode are from his speech given at the March on Washington in 1963. He spoke immediately before Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his celebrated I Have a Dream speech. Now, I was lucky enough that my path intersected with his ever so briefly a few years ago, which leads to the first piece I'm reading. Back in fall of 2016, I was asked by Tony Norman, columnist and editor at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, to write a review of the third and final installment of March, John Lewis's graphic novel autobiography. Because the narrative was so dependent on the first two installments of the series, I took an approach with this review that summarized where they left off and where the readers were jumping in. It's impossible to describe a life as full as his in 700 words, so I'll tell you up front that you should find and read all three volumes. But for now, to understand why you should seek it out, here's my review of March, Volume 3. On paper, as the saying goes, and sans illustrations, even the most straightforward accounting of the life achievements of Congressman John Lewis would already be remarkably impressive. A seminal figure of the 1960s American civil rights movement, Lewis put his life on the line time and again toward the cause of equal rights for black Americans. However, when the prose on that paper is taken directly from Lewis's own powerful first-hand testimony and coupled with emotionally immersive artwork, 
a wonderful alchemy takes place. The reader is posited in the middle of a living history just as relevant today as it was over half a century ago. The three-part graphic novel series, March, depicts the remarkable life of young John Lewis, son of sharecroppers from rural Alabama. Across the first two installments, Lewis's youthful hunger for education blossoms into a passion to participate in and ultimately help lead the struggle for equal social rights in the deep southern states. Using Lewis's voice to intimately guide the reader through an intricate narrative, co-writer Andrew Iden and artist Nate Powell weave a rich tapestry of our history. Through Lewis's recollections, we learn the stories of Brown versus Board of Education, Emmett Till, Rosa Parks, Medgar Evers, John F. Kennedy, Malcolm X, and numerous others. At 23 years old, Lewis had become a veteran of dozens of arrests and beatings incurred while testing the boundaries of the federal government's anti-segregation laws. As the chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, he joined such figures as Martin Luther King Jr. and A. Philip Randolph as one of the big six civil rights leaders who were pivotal in organizing the 1963 March on Washington. Throughout every installment, events are depicted with the motif of ringing telephones, essentially signaling the protagonists answering the call of history. The series' final act unfolds in the recently released Volume 3, which begins on September 15, 1963, at the exact same moment shown during the opening scenes of the movie Selma. The deadly bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, alerted the nation to the dangers blacks in the South faced on a scale that could no longer be ignored. Already acquainted with these dangers, Lewis joined the front lines to help draw further public attention to the need for federal intervention. March utilizes a canny narrative structure, with the bulk of the story told in flashbacks, framed against a modern-day Lewis attending Barack Obama's presidential inauguration in January 2009. As the narrator describes in plain language the past indignities he and his fellow activists endured, Iden and Powell juxtapose those wince-inducing moments against the pageantry of the present-day ceremony. It's a smart and effective choice. By the third volume, when the seasoned congressman finally comes face-to-face -face with the first elected black commander-in-chief, the enormity of Lewis's journey moves him to tears. As orchestrated by the authors, the moment will most certainly do the same to many readers. Volume 3 is larger and more epic than its preceding chapters, and laid out in a more formal manner by the storytellers. Iden has worked previously with Lewis as both his communications director and press secretary, and currently as his digital director and policy advisor. The closeness of their professional relationship likely accounts for the ease of the scripted dialogue as they navigate more obligatory exposition throughout the last act. Powell's artwork and lettering fits their script with assurance. He isn't a natural likeness artist, and because of the sheer number of characters represented, sometimes this is confusing, especially early on, but his compositions and pacing are consistently stirring. Is March perfect? If not, it's damn hard to find fault with its poise and amazing grace. 
Iden and Powell together explain how the activist who once sat in to desegregate lunch counters in Alabama evolved into the state representative who just this year let us sit in on the floor of Congress advocating for stricter gun control laws. Lewis's story was and remains that of America's need for evolution as expressed through revolution. It's also a wake-up call that change happens slowly, and the biggest steps toward achieving dreams aren't made in a race. They occur when we march. Those who have said be patient and wait, we must say that we cannot be patient. We do not want our freedom gradually, but we want to be free now. So I thoroughly enjoyed reading the March series, as you could tell, but the space for my review was limited, meaning I couldn't address a question that felt like it lingered between the panels of artwork. I still wanted to know about Lewis's downtime during the events depicted. Was there much time spent between marches and sit-ins? What was it like behind the scenes back then? How did the private social activism compare to the public activism? Was it boring? Did it go on as long as I suspected, even with all of those monumental things occurring? Now, also taking place in 2016, an art exhibit was in development for the Toonzeum, Pittsburgh's Museum of Comics and Cartoon Art. From MLK to March was curated by Sylvia Rohr, a local educator and curator, and this ultimately led to bringing the creators to Pittsburgh for the exhibit's opening. At the time, I was a new member of the Toonzeum's board of directors after having served on various committees and volunteering for different events. Because of this relationship, I was asked to participate in the exhibit's debut with a small but important role, which led to encountering Mr. Lewis in person. I can honestly say it's been one of the highlights of my life. After Mr. Lewis died and tributes began being published in the media, I reached out to Sylvia on behalf of the Toonzeum to ask if she'd be willing to pen a remembrance of working with the March team. She said that she would like to do so if I was also writing a piece, which I was happy to do. We ended up with complementary narratives on the day that ultimately highlighted the same thing, which was our subject's humanity. As you'll hear, I was able to find the answer to my lingering questions. This is my personal tribute to John Lewis, leading the March of Progress. A few years ago, I was asked to write a review of the final installment of March, the three-part graphic novel autobiography of Representative John Lewis. It was a daunting task, attempting to summarize my feelings about such a work. The scope of events it covered was staggering, as the authors held our hands during a walk through the self-narrated history 
of Mr. Lewis's life journey. At times, that journey was harrowing, as March led us from his humble beginnings in segregated rural Alabama to his call to action in the civil rights movement of the 1960s, through sit-ins at lunch counters in the Deep South that led to repeated arrests and violent opposition to his leadership of peaceful marches which catalyzed a nation to action. Throughout it all, Mr. Lewis's calm and assured voice guided readers through a vital chapter of American history. From the perspective of someone who'd been immersed in it at the time and was cognizant of that fact both then and now, for my review, all I could do was surrender to the enormity of his singular epic story and encourage readers to do the same. Personally, however, I still had questions about the intervals between the big moments, the quiet time that doesn't necessarily make for satisfying drama, but which is more indicative of a tangible life lived by an actual human being. Now, imagine my surprise when just over a month later I was asked, as a new board member of the Tunesium, to help chaperone Representative Lewis and the book's co-creators during a visit to Pittsburgh for the opening of the exhibit From MLK to March. Sure enough, in October of 2016, I found myself greeting Mr. Lewis, co-writer Andrew Iden, and artist Nate Powell in the lobby of a downtown Pittsburgh hotel before leading them to the August Wilson Center for the event. Unexpectedly, they recognized me, not as a Tunesium rep, but instead for the positive book review I'd written. That's my own brush with being on the right side of history. After exchanging pleasantries, we walked to the venue and they were led to the green room where we'd pass a couple of hours before Mr. Lewis would address an audience of admirers. Three things happened during this time that I'll never forget. The first is that I got to witness Mr. Lewis's pleasant bearing in person. For the most part, he was quiet and unassuming. As tired as he must have been from long hours spent promoting his book, he was sharp and spry, and he made time to speak to everyone in a very personable way. When made aware of the food and beverages brought in for the guests, he strongly encouraged everyone present to break bread in communion with him. He even likened it to his days as an activist and how everyone needs to eat. The second was that he spoke not just about the book he was there to promote, his March autobiography, but of the shorter comic book that had long ago catalyzed him to civic action. Martin Luther King and the Montgomery story prompted a teenaged Lewis to participate in the civil rights movement, and his reverence for it was clear. He'd been inspired by a comic book, he said to a room full of comic book enthusiasts and creators, bringing home the importance of our passion. The third thing is that I got to ask Mr. Lewis about the quiet time spent between the big events of his life. He candidly confirmed that the majority of his work over the years wasn't as exciting or interesting as what most admirers lauded him for, but it was fundamentally just as important. It was time spent wrangling with politicians and lawyers, taking meetings and working out strategies, determining the boundaries of the law before resolving to push against them. There had been a lot of time spent waiting 
which had been hard. But he filled that time building relationships, and it was easy to see why he'd been so successful. Being in that room with John Lewis for those couple of hours was like striding outside of normal time and space. At one point while he spoke, I was vividly aware of how directly adjacent we were to histories the rest of the world takes for granted. John Lewis was to Martin Luther King Jr. as Alexander Hamilton was to George Washington. Without exaggeration, he was that important to our way of life today, and in ways far more immediately relevant. Shortly afterwards, Mr. Lewis addressed the full house who'd gathered to seek out his words of wisdom in the days immediately preceding a foreboding presidential election. Despite the traces of a somber collective mood, he provided the inspiration that everyone present needed to hear. And in his short trip from the hotel lobby to the green room to that stage, he helped me see how history isn't composed of untouchable idols, but rather it's comprised of human beings who get tired and need food and fellowship to summon the strength to motivate the next generation of activists and change makers. I remain humbled that he spent a little quiet time to connect me so directly with history. Thank you, Representative John Lewis, for leading the March of Progress with poise and dignity. You reminded us what's essential for making the country better, and I'm hopeful about that future. Maybe one day I'll inspire someone through the comics I create to get into some of the good trouble you valued so highly. Your own illustrious story has, and all Americans are better for it. I appeal to all of you to get in this great revolution that is sweeping this nation. Get in and stay in the streets of every city, every village and hamlet of this nation until true freedom comes, until the revolution of 1776 is complete. We must get in this revolution and complete the revolution. And so that brings us to the end. Uh, much appreciation to all of you who are here listening and supporting, uh, particularly thanks to all of my Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you very much. Without you, none of this happens. None of any of my creative endeavors happen. So, you know, extra special thanks to you. Uh, if you want to find me out in the rest of the world, you can find me in a number of places. My website, uh, marcelwalker.com. My blog, thoughtinmind.blogspot.com. You can find me on Facebook, Marcel Lamont Walker. You can find me on Instagram uh, at Magnificent Marcel. You can find me on Twitter at Marcel Walker One. Thank you to all the people listening. Uh, you're wonderful and you keep this going. Uh, some special thanks to some people who made this possible over the years the Tunesium the team past and present. So thank you to Sylvia Rohr, Rob Rogers, Harold Bear, Alexa Loveridge, Julie Height, Cheryl Werber, Terry Lee, Tanya Bembridge, and countless more. Uh, thanks to all the regional activists who I've met over the years who've continued the March of Progress. Uh, Leon Hodges, Nate Smith, Bird Brown, Marimba Malayans, 
Alethea Jane Sims. Thank you, cousin. <laughs> Jasiri X, Leon Ford, and many more. Thank you for the work you've done and you continue to do past and present. Uh, and of course, thanks to John Lewis for demonstrating through his life's work how to cross difficult bridges and how to eradicate intolerance one courageous step at a time. Everybody, be safe, be well, be good. Bye. Jackson, through the streets of Danville, through the streets of Cambridge, through the streets of Birmingham.